Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Project Brief here on the Boink Radio in the Boink Network Discord server. Today, I will be talking about another project. If you don't know what the Project Brief is, it's a little episode where I review a little Boink project, tell you what it does, how it works, and all the science around it. But as per usual, we have to review a new drink this morning. <laughs> and uh, I'm a bit weary of, uh, of this one. I'm a bit scared to drink it as well. <laughs> I've had a sip of it already. I've smelled it. It's not a very it's pleasant not taste. Cologne. I don't think you want to use this as cologne, Jeringa. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Do you want to know what I'm drinking this morning? <laughs> Vaseline mixed with motor oil. Ooh, close. <laughs> um. Mm. I am drinking <laughs> bacon soda with chocolate. What? Why? What? Huh? Like, what? Yeah. Not kidding. It actually says bacon soda with chocolate. And we're talking like bacon, <laughs> the, the, the meat. Bacon. Right? Bacon. bacon. Okay. That is still what? But that makes, I thought you said bacon soda. No, 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 bacon is in the meat. It's not even a liquid. Yeah, yeah. Artificially meat. flavored bacon soda with chocolate. Bacon flavored to taste like baking soda. However you want to put it. <laughs> but all I can say is it tastes and smells terrible. I'm going to take another sip. Oh, you poor soul. Mm. Ugh. Ugh. I think I can try and describe the taste for you. Please oh, do. Tastes awful. Okay. <clears throat> so, you know when you eat a piece of bacon that's kind of like a little bit burnt? Like you get that little bit of burning kind of bacon flavor out of it? Well, imagine that kind of like burning cooked flavor. And there's just a whole bunch of like sugar. Like, almost you've, like, spread Nutella over the bacon. It's a mix between those two flavors. And it's carbonated. So... The carbonation really awful. throws it. But then, like, if it wasn't carbonated, it would also taste like trash. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I can take another sip of this. This is, this is <laughs> absolutely awful. Um, and just, just to be clear... It is imported from the U.S. Let's be clear. You do this by choice every week. <laughs> More often than not, you are not satisfied. I, yeah, I'm definitely not satisfied, at least with this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think we're going to move on from this. I'm going to put this to the side. And maybe, I don't know, my family might drink it. Who knows? <laughs> All right. So as usual with the project brief, please leave all questions to the end. Any questions about my beverage, you can ask me at any time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as usual, Jay Ringo, who's your favorite person? I've already, you've asked this before. Oh, right. Because it was the last recording. I think I said my mom, but I'm going to change that to my grandma. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's, that's Thank very you. honorable of you. Uh-huh. Um, well, mine's probably going to be Alan Turing. 
Oh, okay. Bit of a <laughs> bit of a bit of a mentor, I guess. Bit of someone uh-huh. I look up to. And also, for a while, I had his hairdo. <laughs> like intentionally? Um, not really, actually. I only worked it out later. Like the the one that he has in the like really like nice picture, like where he has just like the straight kind of like comb over sort of thing. I had that for a very very long time. Mm. Anyway, okay. um, some people's favorite person is Dennis because today we're talking about Dennis at home. <laughs> Yeah, Why is Dennis say, at home? I've never met a Dennis, and I've definitely never been to a Dennis's home. Me neither. So today we are entering Dennis's home to see what he does. <laughs> um, turns out he was born in 2015. Oh, <laughs> so okay. the Boink project, the Boink project started in 2015. <laughs> We're going to drop the Dennis act now. So um, he's a very uh, well-off baby. He bought a home at age five. He studied at the Universidad San Jorge de Zagoza. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but it is a Spanish university. He got his degree from there. <laughs> um, but no, so <laughs> Dennis Ohm is a project run out of the Universidad San Jorge de Zagoza. This is university. great. This makes me feel so good. Yep. Uh, and uh, last time I checked, a lot of the site was in Spanish, and it looks like they've translated a bit of it. Um, so, uh, yeah, Google Translate is a little bit of my friend here, but they've done pretty well. Now, Dennis is an interesting acronym. So Dennis actually stands for something. It's not a person. It's actually um, a full-on acronym. Uh, it stands for Distributed Computing, Electrophysiological Models, Network collaboration, in silico simulations, and sharing knowledge. So D E N I S. Now that is a bloody mouthful, I'd say. <laughs> but let's start off with explaining a bit of it. So we all know what distributed computing is. Like, I mean, we're here and we're running Boink. If you don't know what distributed computing is, it's where you basically take a com- computational problem. Like, I don't know, calculating one plus one equals two and distributing it amongst a whole bunch of different computers around the world and then bringing the results back to the scientist. So uh, that's distributed computing. Electrophysiological models. Okay, so electrophysiological models are the study of electrical signals within the body. Because your body is basically made up of a whole bunch of nerves. The nerves activate muscles and other things in your body, and then those muscles do things within the body. And probably the most important nerve and the most important thing that gets run by nerves is the heart. Um, so Dennis at home exclusively models electrical signals of the heart. To detect stuff like heart disease, um, heart conditions, heart performance, heart health, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and mainly what they're looking at is diseases associated with it. Because if we can model the electrical signals of the heart and we can predict different things, then we can possibly help with disease and finding treatment for certain heart diseases. Because I'm sure everyone around the world knows that heart disease is a major, major um, problem in a lot of countries. 
So Dennis at Home exclusively models healthy and disease heart signals. And what they're looking for are markers. So I think we've talked about this in a project brief before, um, namely uh, mapping cancer markers from World Community Grid. And so basically what a marker is, it's a type of signal that tells either a doctor or scientist or even a computer whether a heart is healthy or not healthy. And if so, possibly what from. Now, the Dense Home has three work unit flows. They have testing, continuous, and application specific. Now, the testing workflows are pretty common among point projects. Um, most point projects do have them. And it's basically where they chuck work units and new things where they're using a new application uh, to crunch work units just to see if things work and to test if things uh, are working and if there's any breaking changes or anything they need to fix before they ship it out to the main work unit flows. Um, and cheers to those who do run the testing work units because uh, a lot of people want the real stuff. They want the actual crunching. So Dennis at Home has two workflows that uh, run actual crunching, continuous and application specific. Continuous is basically where random signals of the heart are simulated and analyzed in order to find markers. So it's kind of like an ongoing training of computer models in order to check whether they work um, and also um, find edge cases, I guess, to improve the model. Uh, and then we have the application-specific workflow. So in the field of electrophysiology, Especially to do with the heart, there's a lot of scientists out there who have their own models of how the heart works and how those uh, signals interact with the heart. And some of them might even have their own markers for certain disease. And they want to test whether those markers are actually correct. So saying that, oh, this signal looks like a, I don't know, Bart Simpson's haircut. <laughs> or this signal looks like a, a sine wave. Or... This signal looks like an earthquake just happened in the heart. <laughs> um, so they have certain markers and certain hypotheses that they would like to test. And they're able to submit their own models to Dennis at Home uh, for pretty much simulation and validation. And so uh, what will happen is they'll run their model against a whole bunch of uh, signals from the heart, probably a mix of simulated and real signals and verify how well the model works. Now, here's the interesting thing. Some of this work could be proprietary, and we're talking about the models from the scientists themselves that submit to the application-specific work unit flow. We've had a lot of discussion about whether science should be open or closed, uh, considering it's the medical field, and uh, there's a lot of money to be made in the medical field. So sometimes this work might be proprietary, at least temporarily, which is a good thing. So um, keep in mind that if you do run this project, you may be working on work that will not eventually become open. But either way, it still helps pretty much the entire area of research of electrophysiology. So what you're doing will help people in the end, and it will help scientists validate models and find 
ways to treat disease. But just keep in mind that what you might be doing might be proprietary and you might not get the end result of that paper or the model that they hypothesized or anything else that they worked on might not be released publicly. So uh, Dennis at home currently has one published paper and a whole number of journals, which is pretty cool. And they also received an award from the IEEE for their paper, which is pretty astounding. Now, uh, the current projects that are running on Dennis Home are Replica, Public DB, and Model valid Validation. So let's go through them nice and quick. Replica basically attempts to replicate the results from previous research. And a couple Boink projects do this uh, quite a lot. Um, I can't name them off the top of my head, but the importance of replicating past results is so important. I think SETI at Home did it a while back. Uh, oh, sorry, not a while back, actually recently. But they did it on their own computing and their own science and all that. Um, and the importance of replicating the past results is to ensure that a model or a hypothesis or a piece of science is still relevant. It's like saying, um, oh, yeah, we, dis we discovered that gravitational waves exist, but do they still exist? And do they still exist based off of the math that we know of? Because after all, we only experienced a gravitational wave and proved Einstein's theories of uh, general relativity and all that based off of one black hole collision. What if there's uh, another black hole collision that causes something that's beyond our scientific understanding? This is what the replica subproject is meant to do in Dennis at Home. Now, uh, public, the public DB project, uh, kind of, we already know kind of what it means, DB standing for database. So uh, Dennis at Home wants to make a public database of markers for electrophysiological models so that scientists can use this in their research. So having a public database of um, markers for disease, for heart disease, is probably something that is very, very valuable. And uh, I don't know whether or not we have something like this at all in the world yet. And if we did, uh, we could probably um, tackle heart disease a lot better. Um, and there'd be so many more treatments and we can figure out disease a whole lot better, diagnose things a whole lot more accurately. So hopefully this public database does get launched and uh, helps scientists and doctors do what, uh, what they're good at. Now, the final one, which is model validation, is uh, a new model that has been designed by Caro et al. for the human ventricular cell. Uh, it's called the human ventricular cell model. And currently it's being validated by Dennis at home. So hopefully they will finish validating this and uh, figure out what they did in their paper. Uh, I didn't read the paper or the details too heavy because, I mean, we are talking some pretty heavy science here and I'm no doctor or anatomical specialist, even though I do consider myself to have a decent knowledge of the human body, not to the degree of these guys, because these, these guys are specialists in their field. You're a specialist in taste buds, baby. 
I yeah, I'm gonna stick my specialty back with uh, drinking the bacon <laughs> soda and not throwing up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, we're not gonna go into the details of that. But if you would like to go and search it up, it's a paper by Caro et al. Uh, for the human ventricular cell model. So let's start talking about their technologies. So Dennis at home uh, uses a technology called Cell ML. Now, for those of you that got a little bit excited there, don't jump out of your seat just yet because ML doesn't actually stand for machine learning in this context. It actually stands for XML, unfortunately. <laughs> um, now, also notice that their code is published to Bitbucket. And why would you post your code to Bitbucket? Come on. Uh, it's, um, yeah, so usually stuff gets posted to GitHub or GitLab. Those are the two biggest, most popular ones. But then some people decide to put their software on vague sites that not a lot of people use, like Bitbucket and SourceForge for some reason. <laughs> um, but yeah. So if you'd like to go and check out their code, they have it there. It's uh, open source and you can check it out. But yeah, that brings us to the end of uh, Dennis at Home. So uh, are there any questions that anyone would like to share? People are thinking of questions or responses for good old Delta here. I am curious about... Um, Oh, yeah. You already have one? No, I was, was going to say, someone someone corrected uh, how I had to say the university in the chat. Theragotha. Theragotha. It's, uh, it sounds a bit weird to say. <laughs> it's Saragossa, but with the, um, the pronunciation of Spanish, Spanish, the S's are like sort of THs. Theragotha. Theragotha. But, yeah, it's, it's hard, especially for you damn Australians. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'm curious on your thoughts on the replication aspect, and it, does it? So when it, it so there's a reproducibility crisis in the whole world of science right now, right? Where like people publish results and then people peer review it and cite it and aren't incentivized to reproduce the results. So we actually don't know if they're accurate results, and we're starting to find that some of the foundational research for a lot of fields are inaccurate or outright faked. Uh, so I'm wondering if the Dennis at home aspects of reproducibility apply outside of distributed computing at all. I don't see how they could, but no. It does. Uh, I believe a lot of the places where the reproducibility and actual results with actual experimentation come from subsequent research. So stuff like Oh, yeah, we did prove that Einstein's theory of general relativity and gravitation waves is true. Here's the paper for it. Then, I don't know, maybe like uh, 10 years down the line, someone makes a journal article or a paper saying, hey, look, we just had these two supermassive stars collide and cause a gravitational wave using this formula from the Einstein's gravitational wave theory. We were able to predict that it will produce this wave and it produced a wave that is very similar to this. And that is essentially replicated research and replicating the stuff that we know already to ensure that it's still up to date and still correct. That's how a lot of it happens for like actual physical experiments. 
But in terms of models, there's a big advantage with using computer models is that it's like you can find a very small, minute like uh, thing that's wrong with the model by simply running a whole bunch of computer, computer models over it. Um, and even though you're not running an actual ex experiment, you're running something that's very close to an experiment. So um, it kind of gives an automated hint as to like, hey, this thing might not be what you think it is. That's, that's and, really cool. It's... Sorry, didn't mean to uh, interrupt. Yeah, yeah, and so in the case of what we're doing here with models of the heart, I mean, human evolution happens. People's hearts are all different. Bold statement, um, sir. <laughs> so in the future, the models that we have nowadays might not work 30, 50, 60 years down the track. So it's important to continuously check these models to see if they, if they work or not. And there is a limitation with how much computers can do in terms of automated modeling, but it is an important step that we can use to find stuff before we even go and test it, in this case, on real people. So That's really cool. It's based, it, it's the, everything you've just said makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm wondering if... Uh, so how, if I am a heart researcher, whatever that title is called, and I come up with some new research, how do I get Dennis at home to like put my research into their models to continuously essentially fuzz it and see if they can't come up with an anomaly? Yeah, so um, I don't run the project, so I'm not too sure of the logistics of it and what's required uh, at, at a technical level. Uh, but what the first thing would probably be to simply reach out to the project administrator, um, whether it be via the forums or via email. Uh, you would probably have to uh, put your model into some sort of format that they can actually chuck into their model validation thing. And it's, I'm, I believe, and don't quote me on this, but I believe that the way that they do it does not require any additional programming because it is simply a number of parameters. Depending on how the model is formed and how the structure of the model is, you may not need to do any programming at all, and you'll probably be able to use the software that Dennis at Home already has in order to verify your model against a whole bunch of different markers. So, so, long, really cool. as your, so long as your model is in a particular format, it'd be pretty easy to get on board, but some models are a lot more complex, and even if you're not working on, on the heart, you might even be able to um, get your model in here as well. Because it's all electrophysiological. Yeah, this is really neat. If anyone else has any questions or thoughts on any other aspects of Dennis, because that's all I got, throw them in the chat. Uh, we'll, meanwhile, say that as I work with another project that's trying to uh, develop new forms of publish research publication outside of the PDF. And one of the aspects they're working with is... Um, putting code in the what they call a research object so that anyone, when they download this research object, essentially open the PDF, uh, that can run the code. And it sounds like they'd essentially be doing what Dennis at home is doing, except not automated. Anytime I download a 
piece of research that has a model in it that's written in code. I can just run it. And you know, if there's an anomaly, I can annotate the the publication directly and just say, hey, I ran the code. And you know, a thousand other people ran it and got the same results. I ran it and got a different result. Uh, we got to check this, look into this further, you know, 50 years down the, down the road or something like that. That's really... That's a great idea because it makes it super easy to go into a scientific paper and reproduce the steps that they got to that. Yeah. Um, the one problem I can foresee with that is simply getting the data across because some of the data sets that they use for those papers is huge and sometimes some of them are a little bit sensitive. Yeah, there's a lot of challenges for sure, but there's a lot of different teams working on it. It's uh, mm. it's really cool. I think Dennis at home would actually have a lot of insight into this if they're doing it on an automated level. I'm definitely going to pass this project on to some other some other projects working in the space. Hell yeah. We got uh, Robert asking me, is this one of the worst drinks I've tasted? I think this is on par with the worst that I've tasted because I think um, the worst that I've had on this on this radio is seaweed tea. This is almost on the level of seaweed tea. It's pretty bad. It, actually, and, and another bad drink, Nort, the non-alcoholic beer that I had one time. Dear Lord, okay. If I were to rank it between Nort, uh, if I were to rank it between Nort and uh, the seaweed tea, uh, it'd probably be worse than Nort. That's how bad the baking soda is. <laughs> I still live here in baking soda. It's like you don't can't drink, drink baking soda. Okay, first of all, don't drink baking soda and don't drink bacon soda. <laughs> it's not it's not good at all. Uh, it even smells bad and I can taste it in the back of my mouth. <laughs> Alright. Um, I guess we'll probably wrap it up here. Yeah, I suppose so. Cool. Thank you all for coming and listening to the Project Brief. Um, next week, we'll be probably running another Boink Radio. So uh, come and listen, and hopefully next time I'll have another Project Brief for you and another beverage. All right, uh, if you want a little bit of a teaser, um, i got a couple American ones, I think, like, Classic American soft drinks in there, I can see. Um, so yeah, if you want to come listen to what I'm drinking next, stop by next week. Uh, maybe in two weeks. I won't be here next week. Ah, oh, damn. I'm going to Pennsylvania. The Vacation old... time. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, yeah. every once in a while, you just need to get into a state that is shaped like a rectangle. So. <laughs> it's that time of the year. <laughs> All right. See you later, everyone. Bye. Thanks, Delta. This was fantastic. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs>